Welcome to the kickoff of season five for the Grizz podcast. Yeah. On this very first episode of season five, my guest is a man who has much to teach us about God, life, marriage, family, ministry, and how to face and overcome incredible, debilitating challenges that would defeat most men. His name is Daniel Ritchie, and he's a brother from another mother whom I've grown to deeply respect and appreciate, and I'm grateful to call him a friend. Listen to me, guys. This dude was literally born with no arms. You heard that right. He was born with no arms. He's now 37 years old, and for his entire 37 years on the planet, he's had to teach himself to successfully function in life with no arms, no hands, no fingers, no thumbs, and he's doing it. He's not just doing it, he's crushing it. The dude uses his feet and toes for virtually everything. He drives a normal car, mows the grass, operates a weed whacker, operates a chainsaw, not kidding, types on his phone and computer. He has authored two books, and he travels the world literally sharing the gospel. But for the majority of his life, he was told that he was nothing but a hopeless mistake who would never live a quote-unquote normal life. Man, this dude inspires and motivates me big time. I really enjoyed this interview, and I know you will too. Season 5 of the Grizz Podcast, baby. Here we go. Oh, yeah. I don't care about your political correctness, your gender sensitivities, or your stupid woke ideologies. I care about truth, absolute truth. That's what matters because that's what brings freedom. Yeah. You're listening to the Grizz Podcast, where our mission is to help boys become men and to help men become better men. It's going to be raw, it's going to be real, and it's going to be relevant. Now, here's your host, Jason George. Daniel Ritchie, man, welcome to the Grizz Podcast. What's up, brother? How are you? Great, man. I am so excited to have you on here. I've known who you are for many years because we have a mutual friend at Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, Brody Holloway, and uh, he told me about you, and I have just been amazed watching what God has done in you and through you over the years, following you on social media and things. So it's great to just talk with you live, man, in person. I know, man. It's it's good to good to see you face to face because I mean, like like you're saying, man. I think we we followed each other from afar, uh, social media wise. But uh, but yeah, man. It's just it's just nice, even though it's not technically in the flesh. I mean, Zoom Zoom's about <laughs> as close as you can get in the COVID world. So, uh, man, I'm excited about it. That's right. I'm liking the, uh, the facial hair. How long you been growing that out, bro? You know, um, so I've probably had a beard since 
I don't know, 2008. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll let it grow until my, in my wife's words, I look homeless and, uh, and we'll, <laughs> we'll trim it up a little, but, uh, but yeah, normally it normally stays pretty bushy. That's awesome, man. I'm in the middle of a, uh, bet challenge with my wife. It's actually a money bet. She said, uh, I said, I'm letting it grow up for one year to see how long I can get it and what it'll look like. And she said, no, that's gross. And she's a, she's like, you won't do it anyway. You care too much about looking sharp and all that. And uh, she, I said, you want to put some money on it? And she said, yeah. So we have a bet going right now. And I'm five months in, so we'll see. Ooh, come on, man. Look homeless. Get it, bro. <laughs> anyway, man, dude, tell our listeners, the Grizz Tribe, these just brotherhood of Christian men um, coming from different places around the world. We got listeners in Australia, South Africa, listeners in Canada. Tell them about your life before you were Christian. I'm talking all the way back to your birth. What happened with you? Yeah, so um, I guess for me, I came into the world uh, not not quite having the equipment uh, that everybody else comes with, I guess you could say. Uh, I was born without arms. And, um, and and so, you know, even even around that, man, like no nobody knew that, that that's what was coming. Mom had a healthy pregnancy, two ultrasounds, and and they didn't catch it at all, um, truthfully, until I was I was born. And Doctors hold me there in, in the delivery room. And then, um, you know, as he's holding me, I think kind of in the shock of, oh, my gosh, like this kid doesn't have arms. Then, um, you know, they realized I wasn't crying. I wasn't breathing. I wasn't moving. Um, and the doctor tried to find a pulse and, um, and he could not find a pulse on me. And so he just really quickly turned to dad and asked my dad, hey, do you do you want us to let him go? And, um, I mean, by God's grace, dad didn't, dad didn't hesitate, wait, stutter, nothing. I mean, he was just like, man, that's my boy. Hmm. And, um, and you're, you're going to do whatever it is that you can do to try to bring him back. And so, so doctor rushes me out and starts to work on me in another room and, uh, and man, by God's grace, you know, I mean, truthfully, God, God brought me from death to life, even, even in those like first, first few minutes I was in the world. And so I think, I think it's just, it, it's neat that even though, I think in the world's eyes, I, I was a little bit of an afterthought. I, I think it's cool that, man, from from moment one, I, I think God had clearly put His stamp, you know, just on on me as a as a bearer of His image. Man, it sounds like that this doctor looked at you with no arms and then saw that you're not breathing, and I'm thinking because you don't have arms, you're not breathing that played into, well, do you want to just discard this one? Like it's nothing. I'm wondering if like you would have had arms and then they find out you're not breathing. Would you have even said anything to your dad and been like, we need to get someone in here now. Like you ever think about that? You know, I mean, it's like the, the more and more I I start to operate, you know, I do some pro-life advocacy and, um, and the more I operate in this space, it's like the more we start to see that especially kids, kids in utero found with disabilities are, are probably the most disposable humans on the planet. Um, you know, it's like mo- most people don't realize it's like 60, 66% of kids found to have Downs in utero are aborted in the United States. And then in, in Western Europe, it's north of 95%. And so I, I think there's just kind of this 
uh, man, I don't know what it is. It's like, I, I think because maybe we don't come with which, you know, what most normal people, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, what, what they come with, I think it makes us less than makes us disposable, makes us the, the picture of, of not the American dream. And, uh, and so I think it, it, you know, why, why bother with a life that's not going to be like everybody else's, I think is interestingly enough. And sadly enough, I think it's a part of the American, I think, medical ethic, uh, in, in the days we live in. Let's fast forward. You start growing up a yeah. kid without arms childhood i'm thinking going to elementary school going into your teen years kids are cruel man kids can just be brutal yeah what was that like uh, i mean it wasn't it wasn't ideal uh that's that's for sure mm-hmm. um you know uh Gosh, those early days, I mean, it was a little bit of a struggle um, just because it's like, I mean, man, I, you know, born and born and raised in, in the mid 80s. And uh, and so no, no Google, no, no YouTube. And so it's like I was really flying blind on how to use my feet as my hands. You know, I didn't I didn't have an example or, you know, somebody I could pattern my life after. And so a lot of my life was like trial and error. And so that was a struggle, you know, just physically trying to figure out how to live in a world made for people with arms when you didn't have any. Um, and, and so there, that was always just kind of the, in the background. Uh, but then too, it was like, you know, the, not even just kids, man, like uh, adults suck too. I, I mean, you know, mm. it's like there, there'd be times, you know, I'd go out with my parents, um, we'd go out to eat and, and man, it was at least a handful of times. Uh, I would say growing up maybe four or five times, Man, we were asked to leave restaurants, uh, you know, because I was eating with my feet. Wait a sec. Um, oh they, yeah, oh yeah. They asked you to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it uh, it it, it uh, grossed out the guests, and you know, it was like there were complaints from other people in the restaurant, and so it was just kind of like, sir, we're going to have to ask you to leave. There Jeez. wasn't didn't didn't seem to be much of an accommodating. Uh, I don't know air about those restaurants for sure. Yeah. Um, so it's like you know you had stuff like that you had stuff like uh you know go to go to the grocery store with mom or um you know just go out in public and you know even even adults man the the stairs the the, you know you know when people are talking about you even when you're a kid you're you're just socially aware enough to to know what's going on and Mm -hmm. i had that happen but then you know i mean it's it's the abc morning like morning show special about bullying you know it was mm-hmm. like that that was kind of my life you know the the stereotypical school bullies and the stories that you get with that and so I mean you, you pile all that on in the in the formative years and that even though I had good parents that that loved the Lord um man there was a lot of just insecurity on mm-hmm. my part a lot of just like identity issues i think around the pieces of like am i worth it am i good enough do people love me bro i felt like a big mistake you know i i I felt like a a less than uh you know definitely going into those those middle teen years for sure yeah i was going to ask you if uh there were periods that you really struggled with the whole feeling sorry for yourself what was me self-pity I'm never going to be anything did. Yeah. Is that more the teen years kind of thing? Yeah. Um, pr- pretty much so from like 13 to 15, mm. uh, was just like, man, I was, I was done with me. 
Um, you know, I just didn't, didn't, didn't like myself, didn't see a whole lot of like redeemable, uh, parts of who I was. I didn't like other people, uh, you know, again, just kind of like I was talking about, you know, any, anytime I met a new person, it was just an opportunity for either me to be judged, made fun of, um, ostracized. And so it was just like, started to hate other people. And then it was like, I was really frustrated with God. You know, if, if I'm totally honest and I, I remember really clearly it was probably 14 or 15, um, going, man, like, I know Jesus loves me, but why doesn't Jesus love me? Like he loves everybody else. Cause like Jesus, Jesus formed and fashioned everybody else and gave them, you know, 10 fingers, two thumbs, two arms. What, what, what did I do wrong? Why doesn't Jesus love me? Like he, he loves everybody else. And so I think it was just like, there was this blanket frustration, depression, um, just insecurity, hatred, bitterness. I mean, bro, it was, a, mm. it was like a cauldron of, of just, I, I think, darkness that, that I was walking through in those years. And what at this point, in your, how, old are, how old are you now? I'm 37. Okay. You're 37. What can you do with your feet or your mouth that most people are just like, wow, are you serious? You can do that? Like, cause you, <laughs> I think you at this point just take it for granted. Like you're just going about your day. You're getting it done. I mean, I have seen literally videos of you doing things in your yard that I'm like, that's crazy. Incredible. Like what yeah. you're doing jobs accomplishing around the house. So share a little bit with our listeners. Yeah, man. I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's probably best to tell the the listeners like what I can't do pretty much. So like basketball, baseball, and arm wrestling, you know, that's <laughs> the list right there. You know, I think, um, you know, you can drive. To, to paint, yeah. I mean, whatever, whatever you guys do with your hands, I do with my feet. So it's Jeez. like, you know, the, the menial stuff, like, uh, you know, writing, typing on my cell phone, typing on a computer, stuff like that. But, you know, I drive a normal car. Um, like I, I travel a lot for a living. And so, you know, I'm, I'll just pop into an airport, get a, get a stock rental car, go on my way. Um, you know, I, I mow our lawn, I weed eat, I occasionally use a chainsaw, which is probably not a great life decision when you, you know, when you're already down two limbs. I saw you uh, do that. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's, uh, um, that's probably stupidity on my part, but you know, uh, I'm, I'm not much of a quitter bailer. Uh, that's grizzing. Bailing, bailing out <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I appreciate it. Um, I'm i I'm an armed unarmed man. Um, so I can shoot. Um, I'm i I'm an avid knife collector, interestingly of all things. You got a gun um, and you can shoot with your feet. Yes. If the whole Jesus thing didn't, didn't work out, man, like, Bro, I would have been like an apex, like contract killer. It's like, bro, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. just because people would yeah. be like, dude, no threat right there, and you would have been oh, like, a hundred percent. And then suddenly they're in a bag and they don't understand why, you yeah. know. Um, I'm, I miss my calling as Jason Bourne, that's for sure. That's right, man. No, that's <laughs> that's amazing, dude. Hey guys, I wanted to take a quick break from the show to tell you about Covenant Eyes, the best in internet accountability. I'm not just saying that. I've been using Covenant Eyes for like 15 years. Dude, it helps. It helps me with my personal purity. Right now, I've got my MacBook Pro in front of me. And at the top of the screen, with all these icons of, you know, different 
uh, apps that I have open, one of them is this little eyeball icon that's staring at me. That's a good thing. That's letting me know you're being monitored, Jason. You can go wherever you want online. I can go anywhere, all right? And click on whatever I want, but I'm being monitored. And at the end of the week, there's going to be an email that's sent to two of my good friends that has a detailed report. Here's where Jason went online, and here's how long he was there. Everything he clicked on. Guys, I got it on my computer and on my phone. That's a good thing because it allows me to avoid secrecy, darkness, where, honestly, addictions develop, where it goes from being like, oops, I fell, into, oops, I keep falling, and no one ever knows, and it begins to just really destroy you, your inner man, your relationships, your ministry, on and on. There's so much tempting junk coming at us online. There's so much tempting junk coming at your kids and your teens online. Guys, if you're tired of falling to pornography and you're motivated to step up and man up in this important area of your life, And if you're motivated to step up and man up as a protector of your kids and your teens, then listen, go to CovenantEyes.com, CovenantEyes.com, sign up, open either a personal account for you, or you can open a family account so that you can have multiple users with their own usernames. You could set all that up, CovenantEyes.com, sign up, and at checkout, listen, at checkout, Use the promo code GRIZZIN, G-R-I-Z-Z-I-N, GRIZZIN, and they're going to give you the first 30 days completely free, free, just to try it out, to see what you think, if you like it. If you don't like it after 30 days, then you can cancel it, and you don't get charged anything. But I'm telling you, I believe you're going to like it, you need it, Um, it's good for you, it's good for your family. And there's just been many times where it has prevented me from going somewhere I shouldn't go because we all get tempted. It's how it is, man. And I will never do life without it. I just know me. I need it. So let's get back to the show, the interview with Daniel Ritchie. Who was instrumental? Like, I see you where you are now and what you're doing, how God's using you. But who was instrumental and actually leading you to Christ. Salvation, mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm lost, I need Jesus. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I came to Christ at 15. Um, and I think in those years leading up, um, you know, Paul Paul talks about this on the Apostle Paul. You know, he, he talks about it. It's like, for some of us, it's like, we're just called to scatter the seed of the gospel. Some of us are, you know, God has called us to like water, um, that seed that's being planted. And um, you know, my parents, like all through my formative years, man, they're they're scattering that gospel seed in my life. They mm-hmm. even know, like, I'm questioning everything about God. Um, I think that's that's again, that's just kind of like the thread through my life. That mom and dad were were loving me like Christ loves me. Um, they they were pouring gospel truth into my life. But I mean, really, I think like that game changing moment was as a 15 year old. I was I was at a youth group lock in. Um, I was, I was just kind of doing the introverted thing off by myself in, in the middle of this lock-in and a student pastor comes over to me, a guy that, um, I did not know. Um, I had maybe seen him a handful of other times we'd never talked. Um, and so it's small talk. Hey, where you go to school? What do you do? 
it was wild man it was like either, either the dude's incredibly wise or i mean just very clearly the the holy spirit just prompted him that it was like I, I think he could sense just my frustration um and and just all of the darkness um like i described to you and and this guy asked me he was like you don't like your life do you i'm like no like there's there's literally nothing good about this whole situation and um, you know, earlier that night, like at this little lock-in, he talked about God's love. And I was like, man, God doesn't love me. Like, look at, look at my life. Like, how, how does God love me? How is he showing me his love towards me? And this dude just very kindly, I think for, gosh, it, it felt like he talked to me for like 12 hours. Um, but uh, I, I think he probably took the next hour and just walked me through scripture and just like the evidence of like God's grace and his love and his kindness towards me. Mm. Um, you know, he, he walks me through Genesis one, Psalm 139, just talking about, you know, just God is, God has made man in his image to display his glory. He walks me through Psalm 139 that God fearfully and wonderfully made me. And, and this dude's really hammering home, dude, you're not a mistake. You're not a genetic mutation mm. in terms of producing this whole armless thing. Like God very clearly and carefully made you without arms for a purpose to be used in, in God's kingdom, to be used to point people to, to a hope that's a whole lot bigger than you. Mm. And, um, and, then the, and then this guy starts walking me through the gospel. He says, listen, you know, you, you question everything about God's love for you, but he sends... He sends his best. He sends his, his one and only son mm. to live the perfect life you couldn't live, to die the death that you should die. God raises him to life to show his power over both sin and death and to all who trust in him. He adopts them into the family of God, and then he sends them out on the mission of God. And this dude, I think, laying out God's love in the terms of the gospel mm. and not on my terms, you know, not, not from my perspective, but from his like grand gospel plan. Mm. Man, that was, I mean, that was it. That was the moment right there to see that no, God really does love me and I've ignored it for, mm. for you know, at that point for all 15 years of my life. And, you know, that was that was the night I trusted and rested in Jesus as, as my everything. Man, I love it. There's two thoughts that kind of come to mind. I, I love what you said about the gospel. There's people that are planning, there's some that are watering, and then there's some that get to say, hey, I'm coming in and I'm I'm reaping the harvest right here. Daniel Ritchie's coming mm-hmm. to Christ tonight. So we never want to underestimate that. And I know a lot of times when I don't see the immediate harvest, you know, why didn't that person didn't pray the prayer? You know, that person didn't raise the hand. What You don't even know what's going on inside, mm-hmm. what is being laid for the future. And um, just the other thing that comes to mind with you is uh, this youth pastor it's a lock-in i was a youth pastor 15 years i i know how lock-ins go i know you're just trying <laughs> to like keep a bunch of plates spinning and yeah. he stops in the middle of this lock-in and he intentionally is like i'm going over here i'm i'm going for it with this this young man and i'm going to try mm-hmm. to minister to him may not go well but it may and just to realize that he didn't miss that moment. And I remember there were definitely events that I missed opportunity. There's a ton of kids that showed up and Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to keep the program going. And yet there is a kid that's off in the corner, probably more than one. And I'm like, dude, am I so busy keeping 
the bus rolling that I miss the people on the bus. So, man, I just really think that's awesome that he didn't in that moment with you. Then you come to Christ, and are there a few people that you would say these people were really instrumental in discipling you, making you into a man, a man of God, into just spiritual formation and understanding Scripture and that kind of thing. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, stereotypical Southern Baptist church is, uh, is the church I got saved in. And, and so, you know, it's that next Sunday, you gotta, you, you gotta walk the aisle and, you know, normal people, it's like, you're shaking everybody's hand, but it's, you know, there's, there's, there's no handshake on my part. And so it's a lot of like awkward conversations and, uh, and man, toward the end, this, um, this guy who I bet you at the time he was like late thirties, early forties, um, he comes up to me and he's like, Hey man, is anybody discipling you? <laughs> it's like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I, I grew up around the church, but I'm like, bro, what's that? And, mm-hmm. uh, and he's like, all right, meet me, uh, meet me at this little, his little country restaurant. Um, he wanted me to meet him Saturday morning, like seven 30 in the morning. I was like, all right. And, uh, and man, it was like clockwork every Saturday for, I bet you a year and a half met with this man and, I mean, bro, we, we talked about everything. I mean, just talked about life, talked about the Lord, studied through scripture. Um, man, we studied stuff like, um, uh, like apologists, like Alvin Plantiga. We, we, we studied through Bonhoeffer together. I mean, it's just like this dude just, I mean, you want to talk about backing up the dump truck, <laughs> just like dumping, I mean, everything he knew mm. onto me and, um, and man, it was wild toward the end of that season. Um, you know, at this point I'm a 16 year old and, um, and this dude is like, bro, I think, I think God's calling you in the ministry. <laughs> I'm like, bro, I hate other people. Like I do not like human beings, but it's like, God, God uses this man. I think much in the same way we see in the new Testament where it's like the elders, you know, they would, they would call men from, from out of the midst of the body and be like, Hey, God's, God's calling you into ministry, you mm. know, much. And it's like, I, th- I think we have this, I don't know why it is. I don't, I don't know why the American understanding of calling is like this an internal one. Like, mm. Oh, I think I'm called. I think that's a part of it. I mean, God clearly calls, you know, I mean, we see it with Jeremiah, we see it with Moses, but I think too, there's this element of, of the external calling that, that a lot of times we miss, um, as, as a church, I think both for us men to actively, um, you know, affirm and point to the work of God in the lives of, of other men and the lives of other people in our church. But then I think too, it's just the aspect of God will use other people. I think to, to point out the stuff and stuff in our life, the giftedness, the mm-hmm. grace that, that God has given us. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that, that man, his name was Alex McFarland, man, God, God used that man, um, not only to grow me in Christ, but God, God used that man, I think, in a lot of ways to plant the seeds that, bro, you're, you're going into ministry. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> man, that's awesome. I'm giving a growl to Alex McFarland right here, right now. Dude, that's no incredible, doubt, dude. I agree with what you're saying. Like when you bring up calling, um, I've had people ask me about that over the years. How do you know you're called? What was it like for you? And 
I do know that there was an inner desire. You've got to have mm-hmm. that desire that there's something in you, even though you could be fearful, you could be like, oh, no, nah, it's probably, you know, I'm not good enough. Or, But there was something that I had this longing. But then as I began to pursue it, even though I had a lot to work on, I would have godly men affirm things and say, mm-hmm. I see God's hand on you. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, isn't his hand on everybody? We're all his children if we've accepted Christ as Savior and Lord. And right. he's like, no, no, that you are set apart. I said, for what? And they're like, you have a gifting with teaching, and you especially have a gifting with sharing the gospel. People really tune in. And I was like, really? And so I had some guys doing that in high school. And then as I got in college, I remember one or two professors, both were, one was for a speaking class, um, a regular speech guy, like professor. And then the other guy was um, in a class for preaching. And I didn't see it coming. It felt embarrassing because there was a lot of other dudes in there that were smarter than me, but they both affirmed Jason has a gift. And I'm Mm. like, wait, what? Like, did you really just say that? But I needed that. You needed that, man, um, mm. because we question. I mean, I still, years later, question have questioned the call. Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing, God, seriously? Mm. You know, mm. so it's good to hear. Oh, no doubt, man, no doubt. Man, great, grateful for those dudes in our lives that, man, they were, they were kicking our tail just as much as the Lord was. <laughs> so after high school, um, where did you go on with uh, university or studies, things like that? Did you go to seminary? What? Tell me about that. Yeah, so I did. I did my undergrad um, Southeastern Seminary. They they have a college called the College at Southeastern, and um, mm. and man, by by the time I showed up in school, it was it was a really young uh, four year program. I think I was like the second or third four year class. Um, that they had to go through. And, um, and so where is Southeastern Seminary? Is that Carolina? Yeah, man. So in Wake Forest. So okay. that's actually, it's actually a town we live in now. We, we live, gosh, two minutes from the seminary. So uh, yeah, kind of full, full circle for me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, went there, double majored, um, uh, kind of just, you know, learned uh, it during the school year. And then I, uh, that, that's when it was during that time, I guess my, my day job, so to speak, was I, w- I would travel and, and preach on the weekends and speak in, in churches or like youth camps or D-Now weekends, stuff like that. And During um, your college you know, years, co- you were doing that. Yep, yep. So in college, that's, that's kind of how, how I paid the bills. And then in the, in the summers, I worked at... So you, uh, weren't, like you, you weren't one of these guys that, because sometimes the dudes in college and seminary, like you need to wait. Till you get all the train, you know, it's like, you were like, dude, I'm going out. I'm doing this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. I mean, cause I, I mean, that's the crazy thing is like, I had already been preaching, um, you know, I mean, not regularly, but I, I'd been preaching for, for two years before that, you know, I was preaching as a, as a junior and senior in high school doing, you know, I'd preach for our student ministry. And even at that time I, I traveled some, 
and uh, and preached for other other churches and you know in the who Carolinas was giving you then, opportunities and, like and, that and, was that your youth pastors trying to open doors for you yeah I mean it was just like it was either my my youth pastor I mean clearly he's seeing just God God working and he's like man I want to you know I want to give this guy some some reps and you know either uh, help him see that this is not what God has cut out for him or uh, you know just just giving him a, an opportunity to grow and to learn and. Um, and, and so, I mean, he was very, I think, discipleship oriented, even in that it's like, let's, let's shepherd this dude as the church now, instead of waiting on another ministry or another church to, to mold and shape him. So he definitely, I think he had that forward thinking look of, we're probably not going to keep this guy around. Like he's probably going to go and serve another ministry or another church, but you know, God's, God's got him here for now. And so we're going to, you know, we're going to walk him through it. So he's, I'm, I'm super, super grateful that, I mean, just as much as like Alex, like this, this youth pastor, his name was Dan Bear. Um, just, uh, his name was I Dan mean, Bear. Dan Dude. Bear. Dude, give Bear. it to him. All right. Sorry, yep, man. Yep. And, he, and Hey, he was a, he was an air force pilot in Alaska for a while. So it's, I mean, what? you know, the, the grizzly crossover, bro. I mean, Dang. it's just like, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's fierce. This is the, this is the bear portion of the podcast. And he but, was uh, grizzing back then and didn't even know it. Oh, I didn't even know it, bro. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, man, he was, uh, I think just as much a, an, another huge part of just me growing in Christ. And so, um, you know, had that experience under my belt going into college and then did that. And then in the summers, um, I worked at Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters up there with uh, with Brody Holloway. And, you know, again, here's another dude. I mean, you want to talk about three guys at, at this point. In Hang on. I got to tell some of the listeners that may not know, because you, you hear Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters and you may be thinking, is that just a rafting company in North Carolina? What are they <laughs> are they taking people skiing? It's like this Christian camp retreat conference center but they're doing global mission work they're training leaders within this thing that we call SWO which stands for Snowbird yeah. Wilderness Outfitters and so when Daniel's saying that he was part of that I want you guys that aren't familiar with Snowbird to know that's what he's talking about so go ahead man yeah um you know I, I think to you know to be a part of that ministry I mean to see like Snowbird is, you know, again, I think you think of like a camp as something where it's just like all fun and games and wildness, craziness. Um, man, this is, I, I think to see like a gospel focused ministry, that was the first time I'd ever seen it up close and personal. And mm. I mean, it really, um, see, seeing that ministry, um, seeing just how Brody, not only preached, but led and loved and served. I mean, again, you want to, you want to talk about another guy that just in a very short amount of time, you know, in, in about three years of my Christian life that God's using almost like Paul's telling the Corinthian church, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Mm. And, um, and, and man, it was just like, again, I think just God in his kindness, just using the the places that, that I'm a part of, that I'm partnering with, that I'm serving alongside, um, man, God just using, using that time to just, to just grow me, mold me, I think in, in so many ways that, you know, I, I don't think I realized at the time, but I think I can clearly see now almost 20 years after the fact. Mm. It's such a great place there, man. Like there's, I was part of a Christian camp ministry family, um, for about three years of my life during college. Mm. And, um, it's the same kind of thing that I see and feel when I'm at Snowbird, like, 
there's it's it's hard to explain it's so different than uh what we typically get from quote unquote church right, uh, right. a lot of times what i see happening in the communities of these really gospel centered christian camps is i'm like there's more church like acts book of acts church new testament first century going on here then I see in churches that are just like, hey, just can you make our nine o'clock and eleven o'clock, and then we'll see you next week, and especially today in twenty twenty one, you know, a lot of people are it's it's so easy just to be like, well, I'm going to catch it online, but mm-hmm. yet you've got people living together on mission together, and at the same time, they're not only trying to reach those that come into the camp or the retreat for the weekend or the week or whatever, but it's also like. While we're here, our leadership is also going to help you who are serving be working out your junk. And Mm -hmm. we're going to flush a lot of things out because camp ministry is going to freaking reveal a lot of things about you. And man, I started flushing stuff out that I didn't ever want to talk about that I had some of the leaders privately meeting with me. Hey, we need to talk about the abuse you went through. And I'm like, what? Mm. what's this got to do with me helping these teenagers, blah, blah, blah. It's got a lot to do with it. We've got mm. to help you get healthier. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. You know what I'm saying, man. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, you know, it's that community aspect. It's like, you know, we can think you can show up to church and, and you can, you can sit underneath the teaching of, of the gospel. But I think it's, you know, it's like when we get in that community, whether it's like community groups in our church or just a, you know, a group of guys that we're regularly in each other's lives. I think that's where you get the gospel applied, you mm-hmm. know, beyond just like, oh, let me consume it. It's like, all right, how do I live that out? Like very, very intensely and intimately and practically. Um, and, uh, and you know, again, I think, I think like you're saying, man, that was kind of the first time where it was like, oh, Oh, like I don't, I don't just hang out with Jesus on Sundays. Like the, the, like the, the, the gospel and what God's calling me to applies to every single square inch of my life. Like that was kind of the, that was an aha moment for me. I think just, just as much as it, it was for you, like you were saying. Yeah. I mean, you're living together with these other believers and if you're really good, yeah, you can front and hide for a while, but they're going to see you the good, the bad, the ugly, when kids or teens or another staff person is pressing you and, you know, squeezing you, they're going to see what comes out. And I was at a place that was, um, really, they were good at with grace where it's like, we see it and we're going to call it out, but there's grace. We want to help you with it. Now, if you stayed in it, and were, you know, detrimental to the influence of what we were trying to do there, then they'd say, hey, it's it's time for you to go. You're not going to be part of our, our leadership team. But uh, you're not seeing that in a lot of what we call church. Churches are trying to do their best to foster it. I'm not trying to be critical, but it's like get in a small group, um, come to the discipleship class, come to the men's prayer breakfast. But, that, man, it's so easy to front there. Many times it's also not giving them an opportunity, like instead of them just preaching, teaching at you or taking prayer requests to really watch you, observe you, put you into action and doing things. And I don't really know how to completely solve that for churches. Uh, I wish everybody 
at some point in their younger college age years could be part of ministries like Snowbird mm-hmm. for a season and really get it, what you and I are talking yeah. about. Like we can articulate some of it, but there's also some of it that I can't even put into words. Like it was just, Mm-hmm. No, no, I know what you're saying, bro. I know what you're saying. I'm with you. And I didn't realize it so much at the time, but I look back and I'm like, dude, we were doing church and I was taking off in spiritual growth, but didn't know it at the time. Cause that's really yeah. how it is. If you know, you're taking off in spiritual growth, you're not because you got your eyes where they shouldn't be. You're like, look at me. Um, I think mm-hmm. Oswald Chambers talks about that in um, my most first highest where he's like, the person that's really growing and God is using, they rarely even know it at the time because right. it's not even their focus. But uh, anyway, let's move on. Tell me about, tell the guys just about your family, man, your uh, your beautiful wife, your kids. How did that all come about? Did you meet her at Snowbird? What? What's going on, man? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Met her, met her at Snowbird. Um, so we we knew about each other because uh, I guess at, at this point it was we're going into the second summer um, that I'm going to work at Snowbird. Um, it ended up being Heather's first, and um, and so kind of going in, uh, I actually had a guy that I was a college roommate with that was one of her best friends growing up. And he's like, hey, dude, um, like there, there's this uh, friend of mine. She's going to be working at camp this uh, this summer. Her name's Heather. I I, th- I think you guys got a lot in common. And, uh, and I was like, all right, all right, I'll, I'll say I'll say hi to her when I get up there. And, you know, it's like we, we show up for staff training. And, and I mean, literally, it was like it, that was it. Like we, we showed up, we said hi. And man, it wasn't like love at first sight. It wasn't fireworks. It it was it was nothing. It was just kind of like it was dead on arrival, bro. Um, and <laughs> and so it's like I don't I don't know if it was like God's kindness, but it was just like we got to know each other um, through the summer. Um, and like it, it snowbird the way it works. There's about a hundred or so summer staff. Um, and, uh, and Snowbird will assign summer staff to each like church group that, that brings a group in. And so there were a few times each year, like I'd be assigned to a church's group of guys. Um, she'd be assigned to the same church's group of girls. And so it's like, we're working directly together, um, you know, in some ways. And so I get to know this girl. I'm like, man, she's pretty, she's pretty dope. Like, I, I like her. And, um, but I mean, bro, that was it. And then it was, uh, summer ends, and uh, and I go back to to Wake Forest, North Carolina, and she's uh, she's uh, a Raleigh hometown girl, and mm-hmm. so Raleigh and Wake Forest are like, bro, ten minutes apart, mm-hmm. not not far at all. And so, um, but she was going to college in the mountains of North Carolina. Um, but when she, she would come home, she'd be like, hey, why don't why don't you come hang with my fam? Um, you know, we'll we'll cook for you because at the time Southeastern didn't have a cafeteria at all, and mm-hmm. so it's like. As a, as a college man, I'm literally, I'm cooking what I'm eating, which when you're, when you're armless and a 19 year old man, it's kind of, it, dude, it's, it's brutal combination. And so I was <laughs> like, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take some home cooking. And uh, dude, it was just through this process of, of like that fall. I was like, man, this girl's a one. She's it, man. And, um, and so I guess I met her in May proposed to her in October. Um, so just kind of. Bro, I, I knew. And so, yeah, we've been married uh, 15 years now. 
Uh, we got two awesome kids. We got a nine-year-old boy, six-year-old little girl. Uh, man, it's uh, it, it's fun, brother. It's uh, you know, it, it's it's cool, especially looking back now. I mean, it's like to be to be thirty-seven, but to be married fifteen years, man. It's like I don't know. It's Heather and I. We've we've grown up together in mm. a lot of ways. You know, we we were talking the other night. And it's like we. It's almost like we've been married to like different people, you know, it just in, in terms of like who I was at 22 oh, yeah. and who I was at 30 and who I am at 37. It's just been so wildly different, but I'm so glad that it's like, I've had a, I've had a best friend mm. and a companion in, in the midst of all of that to grow in, in Christ with, to grow in ministry with, to just grow as, as people. And as a couple, man, it's been a, it's, it's been a fun journey. Mm. It's two thoughts when you say that, like, the first thing is you and your wife weren't going to slow and you weren't at a Christian college with like, Hey, I'm looking for my mate. Now you both were there just on mission. Hey, I'm here. I want to serve God. I want to follow him in the process. Like, yeah, you're open. You're, you know, if, if something's there. And so I just see sometimes Christian young people that that's their main focus, man, is to find, that one. And I'm like, man, don't make that your main focus. Get on mission, go after God, go after his calling on your life. And in the process, let's see what God does, who God brings that kind of thing. Because honestly, that's who I'm looking for is somebody that like, apart from me, they got a purpose. They're, they're going after things for their life. I wasn't interested. I went to Liberty university. There were chicks there hands down the only reason they came there man is like i gotta find my husband and they wanted to go to the biggest christian university in the world because they're like that's that's some good picking and i'm like man i i can smell you a mile away like that's and then um the other thing i was thinking with uh you and your wife um oh i know what it was it was when you said uh you're not the same person that you were like at 22 Mm. and a lot of people don't get that, but you guys that are younger, you will get that. Like my wife and I have changed. Um, we've evolved, we've transformed, however you want to word it. She's not the same. Even much of her personality, she has Mm. come into her own. She knows who she is. She knows how to be assertive. She's a business owner in a man's business world and Mm -hmm. what may have intimidated her at one time she she won't let it she'll call them right back out just nope you're not going to talk to me like that and you know she does auditing for big manufacturers and she's like the numbers don't lie so Mm -hmm. you can do whatever you want but she i just watch her and i'm always like i am so proud of you i'm like Mm -hmm. you have grown so much and you do change and also you get burned in life with some things. Uh, people hurt you. Ministry hurts you. Some people stab you in the back. Things don't go the way you thought and you get wounded, you heal up. And it's like we have that tougher, thicker skin now. Um, and you have to also fight to keep that tender heart on the inside. Yeah. You know, it's kind of that nature. You you see it a lot in in guys that are that are in the armed forces. It's like it's it's that band of brothers mentality. You know, it's like you go to war together, you get wounded together, you you experience all this stuff together. 
And in a lot of ways, that that does become just like this unbreakable tie, you know, b- between yes. you and 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 your your spouse. And um, you know, it's like I, I I would not overlook that either. It's like there there is some beauty in in suffering together. Yes. Um. Because because I mean, a lot of times it's like when we're growing up in our formative years, our parents shelter us from a lot. Like mm. I I don't think we realize what our parents go through, and so to be able to um, I guess, quote unquote, go to war together, man. That's uh, that that has a maturing aspect, I, I think, to the believer and, and to a spouse that it's just like, bro, ain't no ain't no book or marriage conference that you're going to go to that, that that's going to, I think, apply that to your life. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true, man. My wife tells me um, you're a better husband now and a better father now than you've ever been. And I'm like, well, I hope so. Um, but you, we've just, we both. Come Otherwise f- we get a problem. Yeah. We both came from really dysfunctional, broken, even some abusive homes. And so, you know, we had, we were going to do this and we were going to um, have this great godly marriage and we were going to raise this great godly, awesome family. And you get into it and you're like, man, we've both got issues. And now mm. we're button heads and we've been so close at times to divorce. I can remember those times. It was scary. It was dark, but we had people mm. that reached out to us and were willing to say, yo, we're going to work, we're going to work this out. Let's work through mm. it. Um, and now I'm at this really cool stage in marriage, which it sounds like you guys are at a similar one. Uh, I'm not saying we're not going to have problems in the future, but I don't, not that I wanted to be with someone before, but like, I don't, I don't want to start over. I, like mm-mm, she's my person mm-mm. and she gets me. We've worked through some really tough crap and I'm like, let's do this. And I want to mm-hmm. walk through things with her and we have walked through the good, the bad, the ugly. And, um, it's just, uh, you grow in love. I, I hate the mm-hmm. whole, we fell in love. I'm like, nah, man, you, you really grow in love. And the only way to truly have a really deep loving marriage is like, you've got to stick in there, man. Um, as much as you can just don't quit, stick in there, get the help that you need. And mm-hmm. I'm so glad that we did, man. Cause it's Amen, just, a, it, it's been a sweeter time now. Like there were times we didn't enjoy each other times. We didn't enjoy even let's go out and grab coffee. We just didn't like each other. But now I'm just like, I can't wait. Like, yep. can we go out this week? Can we grab a meal together? Do you want to go for a walk? You know? And she tells me sometimes she's like, I can remember periods where I'd say, do you want to go for a walk? And you were just like, no, I'm, I don't want to, I'm busy. And sometimes I was just busy with ministry and I regret that mm. stuff, man. So mm. yeah, you. you've got uh, a book that you've written and that's going to be releasing soon. Tell our listeners about that, man. Yeah, man. So um, I've got I've got one book came out uh, three years ago um, called My Affliction for His Glory. Um, and so that's just, I mean, it's just kind of my story and, and the lessons that God has taught me along the way. Um, but then I'm super pumped here in February. I've got a book uh, coming out called Endure. And, uh, and man, it's just, I, I think the whole book, bones about it. I think it was definitely birthed out of, birthed out of quarantine. And, and I think just out of my life too, it's just like, man, life is so hard, you know? And, mm. and so it's just like how for us 
in Christ, how can we be fueled uh, for, you know, the race that God has called us to run? Um, but then too, it's like, how do, how do we make the most practically of just every day instead of just waiting for, you know, quarantine to lift or waiting for life to get better? Like, how can we, through, through like the long race that God has set in front of us, how can we make the most of what he's given us? And so it's just like, man, how do we, how do we endure and not just survive in, in the Christian race that God's put in front of us. So yeah, man, excited for that one to, to get out there and, and, and into people's hands here in just a couple months. Cool. So it's called Endure. It'll be available yeah. in February. Yeah, man. Yep. Okay. Yep. Be available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And I, I think a bunch of, bunch of different like book distributors where, where a lot of people would get their books. Can guys pre-order? Yeah, man. Yeah. You can, you can pre-order it right now um, on, on Amazon. All right. I will put a link to that in the show notes for sure. And also if, um, if guys wanted to connect with you on social media or something and actually, you know, put your voice to a face and see who you are and follow you, man, like how how can they do that? Yeah. Um, I mean, man, you can, you can hit me up on Twitter, just at Daniel Ritchie. Um, if you're an Instagrammer at Daniel P Richie, because somebody already stole my name, jerks. Um, right, and then, uh, and then, if you're not a social media person, um, I, I've got a I've got a blog and a website at DanielRitchie.com. So you know, you you got you got options. But, okay. uh, but yeah, but love to hear from you. For all the listeners, if you actually take your device and you look in the show notes, I'll have links to all of that, so you can link there, man. Make sure you connect with Daniel Ritchie, follow him and his ministry, and you'll be better off for doing that. Man, thanks for tuning in and listening, guys. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever app you're using to listen to the Grizz podcast. And also leave us a rating and a review. That would be mighty helpful. Also, we have a closed Facebook group for Christian men who are fighting to step up and man up. It's called the Grizz Tribe, the Grizz Tribe. We'd love for you to be a part of that with us. It's a great place to connect with other like-minded Christian brothers who share inspiration, motivation, questions, prayer requests, links, videos, book recommendations, etc., Also, every Friday morning on that closed Facebook group called the Grizz Tribe, we drop a five-minute devotional video called Friday Fuel, and that comes from one of the members of the Grizz Tribe. It's been an awesome way to meet each other, but also challenge each other from God's Word. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, my username is GrizzlyManJ, GrizzlyManJ. We also have an Instagram for the Grizz Tribe, and that one is simply Grizz Tribe, Grizz Tribe. If you enjoyed this episode, there's more good and powerful stuff coming for this fifth season here in 2022 to help you grow wiser and stronger as a Christian man. So stay tuned. Again, hit that subscribe button and share us with a friend, a brother from another mother. Last thing, guys, the Grizz Podcast is an outreach of Narrow Trail Ministries Incorporated, and we rely upon the support of our listeners. In 2022, would you consider becoming one of our monthly supporters for just like $10 or $20 a month? If you want to get more, awesome. We appreciate it. 
It is safe, it's secure, and we always send you a donation statement each time you give. You can go to narrowtrail.com, narrowtrail.com to our give page, or you can go to thegrizpodcast.com, thegrizpodcast.com. Go to the give page. You can set all that up. Again, safe, secure, it's easy, it's confidential. And that's it, guys. Stay in the Word, stay in prayer, stay connected with your brothers from other mothers, and stay manly. I'm out. (laughs) 